and worship our God and praise him today. Welcome to Watershed. We're so glad to see you today. If you're a guest with us, just a special welcome to you. Thanks for joining us this morning and spending a part of your Sunday here. We are just encouraged, right, when we come together as believers. We get encouraged because we get into God's word, we hear his story, and we see his heart for us as people. Hopefully you can see that today, that God is crazy about you. You know, I was, uh, was thinking about snowboarding this morning because I was kind of snowboarding my way into church. Um, maybe you did too a little bit, kind of skidding around and skating in. Um, but I was thinking about snowboarding this morning as I was coming to church, and it made me think about faith in Christ, faith in Jesus. If you're snowboarding, it's always a better practice to kind of lean on your front foot and put your chin over your toes so that you have control on the, on the hill. But it's sort of counterintuitive, right? Because you want to sort of lean back and feel safe because you're going downhill and then you're leaning forward into it. But it's kind of like faith in Jesus, leaning into it. That's where you can feel the, the hill, where you can sense God's spirit moving. You can hear his voice, and you can follow his leading. It's kind of like that. So the invitation today is this. Wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, to lean into it a little bit, even if it feels a little scary, even if it feels a little nerve-wracking to kind of lean in. But lean into God today and see what he has for you. Maybe this week. To get into his word, lean into it and see what he's got for you. We're going to take a moment just to greet the people around us. It's sort of sickness season, so if you want to just give people fist pounds instead of like handshakes and hugs, you could do that. So go ahead and stand up now and just say hey to the people around you. Catch up and see what's going on. <coughs>
All right. We invite you to continue worshiping with us this morning.
next song, um, it's just an opportunity for us to come before the Lord. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but I was reading a long time ago, an author said something like, the Christian journey is sort of understanding how God views us and coming to terms with agreement with him, how he sees us, uh, and what, he, what his sort of assessment of our situation is, learning to understand that and lean into that. And Romans tells us, the book of Romans says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us need to come before him, confess, in order to have a right relationship with him. This morning, it's just an opportunity for us as a, as a community, as a body of believers, to come before the Lord and just surrender to him. Say, God, I need you. I need you every day. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your grace. So as we sing this out, we just encourage you, um, whatever is going on in your mind, in your heart, in your life today, you can surrender that to God in this moment.
join me in a word of prayer. God, that's our confession this morning, that we believe in you. It doesn't mean we don't doubt. It doesn't mean that we, you know, struggle, wonder. It doesn't mean that maybe this morning we're not necessarily feeling it. But sometimes when we sing the truth, sometimes when we As Drew said earlier, lean into you. God, it opens a door for your spirit to work. Make that truth real for us. So I pray this morning that you would make that truth real. The truth of who you are and who we are in you. Loved, forgiven children. God, who you have given your life for to restore to you. God, we praise you, we honor you for that truth this morning. We praise you for who you are. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see you all this morning. I'm Pastor Aaron. If you don't know me, Aaron, uh, pretty much if you do know me, um, it's it's funny sometimes when you say Pastor Aaron, and I'm like, are you sure you know? Just call me Aaron, it's okay. I'm a campus pastor here at Watershed. Uh, we're one of three communities here at Hardawike. So it's a, a blessing to worship with you. I just want to highlight a couple ministries this morning. Uh, one of the cool things right now is we got high schoolers who've been spending uh, the weekend up at Cranhill Ranch uh, at a retreat, doing the same thing we're doing right now, worshiping Jesus and learning more about him. Uh, remembering this morning as we come into baptism in just a moment, remembering the truth of his love for us. Uh, So we praise God for uh, youth ministries that take place here. Middle school happens on Wednesday nights and uh, high school on Monday nights. There's basketball games that take place, our anchor basketball team on Thursday. So some fun stuff going on Um, in this very room too on Wednesday night. I'm looking at Tim Dikma, he leads our cadets. We've got a lot of cadet leaders in this room too. 
gems uh, as well. We're together. We had over 175 people in this room. How many of you remember Minute to Win It? Any remember that game, right? Doing all kinds of Minute to Win It games. Yes, I can balance a plate on my head and five and stack five blocks. That is one thing I can do. I found that out. So, you know, it's always fun to find out. But uh, Tim, I want to thank you. Meredith Steenweich, Nicole Johnson, they lead our gems. Um, just want to thank them as well. All of the leaders that happened, the volunteers that took place, just, just a joy. A joy to be able to, to see those things take place. Um, if you're ever wondering about, like, where to find things, uh, Connor, if you don't mind, if you can jump over to the next slide. Uh, if you go over to harderwhite.com, news and events, uh, you'll see our Feed My Starving Children. I mentioned that last week, but that is where a lot of information is. You can jump over to the calendar, but if you want to find some information, the website, harderwhite.com, is a great place to go. And then uh, sometimes people ask me, hey, what are these boxes for, Aaron, uh, around how to, and, and I go, and it's to partner with us in ministry. Um, it's a way that we can give our tithes, our offerings. Uh, we can give in all kinds of ways. I mean, why not, right? Today, when you can whip your phone out, you can text to give, you can jump on the mobile app, you can give in boxes. There's a kiosk, and I know there's one more. Oh, yeah, at heartofwhite.com. So there you go. <laughs> so um, anyways, just want to, again, as always, thank you for partnering with us in living out the gospel together, whether it's giving your time, your, your abilities, your talents, or your gifts. Um, man, we're, we're just making a dent in God's world for his kingdom on this corner of 160th and Lakewood and hopefully beyond. So just want to thank you for that. Um, this morning, baptism. Last week, we got to celebrate the sacrament. Today, we get to celebrate the sacrament. This is a special time. At Hardawike, um, our vision is this, to see everyone joining in the journey of being found and formed by and following Jesus. Last week, I talked about our watershed vision, freedom, friendship, rest. This morning, I want to highlight just our Hardawike vision. We want to see everyone come to know who they are in Christ, right? To find your identity in Him. Baptism is a sign of that identity this morning, that we belong to Him that we are formed by him, that he shapes our life by his spirit that he gifts us. Um, I'm, I'm going to just talk, I'm actually going to talk to the boys a moment and let you in on a conversation. Got that, boys? I'm going to chat with you. Yeah, yeah, I see the smiles. <laughs> but that by God's spirit, he's continuing to shape us and form us and that we follow him in mission. And so as we dive into baptism this morning, um, we're remembering today what Jesus has done, not what we do. Um, as much as Chuck and Jen bring a little Theo to be baptized, uh, Theo is receiving God's promises this morning. I don't have any power over that. And yes, he flipped the slide, didn't he? <laughs> Go ahead, look. Newman's, Chuck, Jen, come on up. Boys, you want to come up too? Yeah, Mike, you got to give, you got to give Theo up. <laughs> Morning, guys. Here, I'll let you stand over. I'll let you come over here by your family. Hi, Theo. Hey, buddy. 
All right, fellas, I told you I was going to chat with you a minute. We're going to let everybody listen in. Come on up. Come on up. I want you, and I'm going to give you permission. Now, now you got to, don't be splashing each other, okay? Uh, I know it. I know you want to, right? Yeah, I see it in your eyes. But go ahead, dip your fingers in here. See the water? Yeah, dip it in. You guys know you were baptized just like Theo's going to be? Yeah. Yes. Blake's like, yeah. Easton, no. <laughs> You're like, do we just keep our hands in here? You can pull your hands out of the water now. Am I, and I won't splash you. I really, I, I want, everything in you wants to flick the water, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, fellas, I want to talk to you a second as we get ready to baptize your brother. And I want to just talk to you about what baptism means, okay? Because we promise in baptism that we're going to keep telling Theo and we're going to keep telling you guys what it means over and over again. It's important. The first thing that it means is that Jesus died for us. And he died for us so that we could come back into relationship with God. So we could be with him. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That God would say, I love you so much, I'm going to give my life so that you can come back. So it really just says Jesus loves you, right? It also means that you are forever part of God's family. You see all these people out here? It's kind of crazy. I always got to stare at those lights, you know. (laughs) But you see all these people. This is called the church. The church isn't the building that we're in. The church is us as people. And you're a part of that. And baptism reminds us that as much as you have this awesome family, you got a pretty awesome family, don't you? Yeah, I think so. I've known your dad for a long time. He did some work on the boat. I knew, I knew your dad before he got married. Yeah. <laughs> but you're part of this family. You're part of my family. I get to call you my brothers because of what Jesus has done. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? And then the next thing God promises is that he'll put himself in you, right? In his Holy Spirit. That means he's always with us. He's always with us, helping us. He's cleaning us up sometimes. Do you guys ever make mistakes? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So do I. And you know what? The Holy Spirit helps me clean those things up. But he also helps me know, um, reminds me how much God loves me. And he'll keep reminding you how much he loves you. And then finally, we know that we have, that one day, we'll be in heaven with Jesus, right? And that's because of what Jesus has done. So when we baptize Theo this morning, those promises are God's promises for him, for you guys, for us, for your mom, your dad. Pretty sweet, huh? And then the water that you touched, good job, by the way. Give me some knuckles. Give me Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But the water that you touched reminds you of like when you take a shower, you get all cleaned up, right? When you drink a nice cold glass of water in the summer, ah, it refreshes you, right? Makes you feel good. And you know what? In the Bible, it says that Jesus is the living water. So as much as we need water to live, Jesus is that water for us. Pretty cool. Thanks for letting me talk to you guys. Good job. Now I'm going to talk to mom and dad. Sound good? Yeah. (laughs) Chuck and Jen, you've been through this before, but the truth still remains, right? This is the beauty of what God has done. 
And that baptism for Theo this morning is the same truth that took place for you, Chuck, for you, Jen, long ago. And so I just have this question for you. Do you promise to instruct Theodore Stephen Newman in the truth of God's word, way, word, sorry, in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? You promise to pray for him, to teach him to pray, and to train him in Christ's way by your example through worship and the nurture of the church. If you can say so, please say, we do, God helping us. Now, for youth, I've got some words that you won't understand one bit of. (laughs) But the awesome thing is, they're true for you. For you, little one, Jesus Christ came into the world. For you, he lived and showed God's love. For, For you, he entered the darkness of Gethsemane and the horror of Calvary. For you, he uttered the cry, it is finished. For you, he rose again from the dead and he ascended to heaven. And there, he stands on your behalf. Yeah, I better, not, I better stop. I, might, I won't tickle you. <laughs> and all of this, Theo, was done for you before you ever even knew it. But we will continue to tell you this, this good news, until it becomes your own. And so the promise of the gospel is fulfilled. We love because God first loved us. Theodore Stephen Newman, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, if you'll stand. As much as Chuck and Jen make commitments, we make commitments as their family, as the church. So do you promise to love, encourage, and support these brothers and sisters by the teaching of the gospel of God's love, by being an example of Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service? If you can say so, please say, we do, God helping us. Amen. You don't mind standing still, and we'll have some of your family. Uh, you know what? Why don't we move this way? This might center the family more, uh, like this half of the room. <laughs> um, but we're going to put their, our hands on them. If you want to put your hands on somebody near you, if you're not by us and feel comfortable, if you'll put your hand up, want to offer a prayer uh, for the Newmans. Let's pray to God, we bless you again. We praise you for your goodness in Jesus. Thank you for the truth, uh, Lord, that we celebrate given to Theo, a truth that is for each and every one of us. Lord, we pray that as Chuck and Jen continue to lead their family, continue to show your love, continue to live in forgiveness and grace and mercy, Lord, in repentance and joy and sorrow and hope. God, Remind them that your spirit is with them, leading them, guiding them, and will be with them. Lord, for Theo, for his brothers, God, continue to raise them in the truth of your love for them. No matter where they go, no matter what has happened, no matter what will, Lord, you are a God who loves, who forgives, and will always seek to bring them back to you. God, again, bless them, keep them, 
Lord, shine your face upon him. Give him your peace. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's children said, amen. Let's welcome them. This morning, as we experience God's story uh, through the sacrament, we're also going to watch a little of his story in the scriptures, and then uh, we're going to pray for our kids in a moment. So if you'll want to watch this week's video, please join me. King Hezekiah's son, Manasseh, was only 12 years old when he became king. He was very different from his father, doing all sorts of evil things. He led the people to worship false gods, and even built an altar to Baal inside the temple of God. Things got so bad that God brought the Assyrian army against Manasseh. They put a hook in his nose and led him away to the city of Babylon as a prisoner. In his suffering, Manasseh humbled himself and prayed to God. God was moved by his prayer and allowed Manasseh to be set free and return home. For a few years, things began to improve, and the Israelites began to follow God again. They even discovered the book containing all of the laws of Moses, which had been lost for many years. The people learned once again what it was like to live in God's ways. But soon, things got much, much worse. The kings who ruled over Judah once again led the people away from God. Then one day, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, attacked the Israelites, nearly destroying the temple Solomon had built. He captured almost all of the Israelites, including the best warriors, workers, and artists, and sent them to Babylon. Only a few of the poorest Israelites were allowed to stay to take care of the fields. God sent two prophets, Jeremiah to those left in Jerusalem, and Ezekiel to those living in Babylon. Unfortunately, the news was bad. Because they had done so much evil, God allowed the city of Jerusalem, their home, to be almost completely destroyed, and the rest of the Israelites sent to Babylon. But the prophet Ezekiel told the Israelites living in Babylon that God would not forget about them, that God would one day rescue and restore them. God even gave Ezekiel a vision that he was standing in a valley full of bones. There was a rattling sound, and the bones began to come together, and tendons and flesh appeared on them. Finally, God had Ezekiel command the breath of life to enter the bodies, and they came to life. God told Ezekiel the meaning of the vision. These bones are the whole house of Israel. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am God. Come forward for dismissal of Sunday school at this time.
Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your goodness and grace that you shine down upon us each and every day. May we have open hearts and eyes to see this. Please bless these children as they go and learn more about your word and um, just protect us as we go throughout our morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you haven't been here, uh, these videos, we've been on a journey uh, throughout the Bible, uh, journeying through the story, God's story through the scriptures. And so we come this morning uh, to a time where uh, Israel last week had been wiped off kind of the face of the earth, really, um, in 721 BC by the Assyrians. And uh, so Israel lasted, the northern kingdom of, of Israel lasted for about 200 years after the kingdom of God had divided. Uh, Their sin, their idolatry, so worshiping of other gods, worshiping of other things, uh, and also their injustice, so their idolatry and injustice, so the way they treated their neighbor, right? If if this sparks anything in your mind, what's Jesus say about the greatest commandment if you're familiar with the Bible? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? The people of Israel were not living this way. They weren't not only giving God the respect he was due, they weren't giving others that same respect, dignity, love, and care. Now, love in the scripture, we don't have time for this this morning, but is not a, here, we're just going to coalesce to every feeling you have. That's not love. Love is filled with both grace and truth. It's both, um, at times, loving correction. Chuck, Jen, you've had to lovingly correct your boys from time to time, right? Just like you had to be lovingly corrected, right? Right? Chuck, Mary, you you never had to do that with Chuck. No, no, he was perfect. He was an angel. (laughs) Right? Sometimes there's loving correction. Sometimes it's telling the truth. Sometimes, I mean, it can be a lot of things, right? Love is not simply this, hey, we're, we're just going to make you feel good. Because sometimes what we feel is good can be something incredibly destructive. So loving your neighbor isn't, isn't going, hey, we're just going to do that. But loving your neighbor is saying, I, I'm, I'm there to actually work for your win, for God's win in your life, to help lead you to life, not only life with him, but a life that he has given for you. So, so loving God, loving your neighbor, idolatry and injustice. So Israel gets wiped away. Today we're coming to the book of Lamentations. We saw in the video Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations. And in it we're going to hear now of what happens in 586 BC. We saw it just for a moment, but Judah now it gets wiped out. They're around three, for about 339 years. A couple weeks ago, I said they've had 20 kings, five of them were good. So they got a better track record than Israel. Um, But uh, if we're talking about God's patience for his people, I want you to remember that before God sends his people into exile by the Babylonians' hand, he endures for 330, he puts up with their junk for 339 years. Um, How many of you can last 339 seconds? (laughs) Right, God in patience has to actually discipline his children. And what we'll see today in Lamentations is there's a great deal of suffering. 
Before we go further with that, I, I just wonder, what do you do with suffering in your life? When it comes on, when you, uh, maybe it's due to a mistake you've made, a regret. Maybe it's due to something that has happened to you. What do you do with your suffering? Do you, like the first picture, brush it under the rug? Right, do you put it in a nice little box, throw it on the shelf so that it collects dust? Right, do we avoid it? Or do we let it consume us? Do we let our suffering cause us to fall apart? Now, I like to think that's probably a spectrum, right? It's not just one or the other. Some, we're, we're somewhere in between. But some of us lean a little bit more one way than another. Some of us may avoid suffering while others of us may let it consume us. The message of Lamentations, though, this morning in, in the hope that we have in God, no matter what we've done or no matter what has happened to us, is a reality that we can take our suffering to him. And that as we suffer, we can be honest about that suffering and yet not consumed by it. That we can actually engage it and not avoid it. That when we suffer, we can do so knowing always that we are a people of hope. Right, as we celebrate baptism this morning, it's one of the key reminders. Is no matter what we face in this life, no matter what we've done or left undone, no matter what we've been a part of or has become a part of us, there is always hope in the midst of our suffering. As I said, we're going to turn to Lamentations. We're just going to read the, uh, to start the beginning and the end, the book ends of the letter. So if you'll follow along with me, Lamentations 1, this comes in the Old Testament, uh, comes after Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. So if you're kind of looking at your Bible, this is, there you go, that's what it looks like. But Lamentations 1, starting in verse 1, Jeremiah writes this, how deserted lies the city. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow she is, who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears are on her cheeks. Among all of her lovers there is no one to comfort her. And all her friends have betrayed her. They've become her enemies. After affliction and harsh, harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to her appointed festivals. All her gateways are desolate. Her priests groan, her young women grieve, and she is in Bitter anguish. Her foes have become her masters. Her enemies are at ease. The Lord has brought her grief because of her what? Many sins. Her children have gone into exile, captive before the foe. It's how the letter starts, how this poem of Jeremiah, this prayer of Jeremiah begins. Let's go to the end, Jeremiah 5. Verses 15 to 22. Joy is gone from our hearts. 
Right? If the lamb, we thought the lamentations, the lamenting was done. No, joy is gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Again, in the very beginning and in the end, he acknowledges the people's sin before God. And because of this sin, because of this, our hearts are faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, with jackals prowling over it, you, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you always forget us? Sometimes it's what suffering feels like, doesn't it? Like we've been forgotten. Why do you forget us? Why do you forsake us for so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old, unless you've utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. Lamenting. This lament, this cry. Why? The first thing I think I want us to recognize this morning is this. Just as Jeremiah, a prophet to Judah, a prophet to four kings of Judah, right? His mission, his ministry was to call the people back. That's what a couple weeks ago when we talked about the prophets, their role was to be God's mouthpiece to bring them back to him. And trying to bring the people back, their sin was too much. They were too deep. Right? And in Lamentations, when the people are exiled, when they're carried away due to their sin, Jeremiah cries out. The weight of responsibility is just too much. Sometimes that's how suffering comes in our lives, doesn't it? By our own hand. We don't always like to say that. A lot of times we like to blame someone else for it. But the reality is sometimes when, when our sins, when our mistakes, when we, we failed to keep God's center, something else does, right? And it leads us to think different ways, react different ways, feel different ways, and then treat others in different ways, doesn't it? Right? Sin separates. It pulls apart. It not only wrecks us, but it wrecks others. In Lamentations... Jeremiah recognizes it. It's because of our sin we know this, Lord. That weight of responsibility, that suffering is difficult, and he cries out in it. I think that's important for us to hear. And in light of where we will go this morning, I want to give you permission to cry out to God if you're suffering due to having to bear the responsibility of some of the sin in your life. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Living with regrets is not the way it's supposed to be. Living with relationships that for some reason can't be healed on this side of heaven is not the way it's supposed to be. Living in a world where there is, simply put, death, not just physically, but death to relationships, death to our spirit, our soul, is not the way it's supposed to be. And one of the things that Jeremiah gives us permission to within lamentations, within the mess of what Judah's going through, within the mess of us having to deal with the responsibility for our sin, is to be able to cry out to God and be honest about it. To say, God, man, this sucks. 
I messed up. So I think as many of us know, the pathway to healing, the pathway to a future is by taking responsibility, isn't it? By acknowledging what has been done. And Jeremiah does it, and he does it with just, I I mean, I don't know about you, I read just those few verses in one in five, and I'm like, whoo, five chapters of this? Wow. (laughs) But it's true. Not only, though, does he deal with the weight of responsibility, he deals with the the weight of repercussions. Repercussion defined is simply this, the unintended consequences of an event or action that has taken place. That sometimes what we bear, the suffering that takes place in our lives, isn't because of something we did. Sometimes it happens to us based on something else that has nothing to do with us. How many of you have ever had suffering happen to you and you had nothing to do to make it so? Well, that's Jeremiah. Jeremiah, who was called by God, right? He's called by God to prophesy on God's behalf. Here's what he says in Jeremiah 3. So the very heart of this letter, this poem, this song, kind of at the climax of it all, he says this. Verse 3, chapter, or chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. I'm a man who has seen affliction. By the rod of the Lord's wrath, he has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He's feeling it. Goes on to say in verse 16, he has broken my teeth with gravel. I feel like I've been had my face kicked in. He's trampled me in the dust. I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is, so I say, my splendor is gone and all that I have hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well. And my soul is downcast within me. Here's the prophet of God's people, the voice of God among them. And he's suffering. He's not just suffering because he's watched Jerusalem fall. He's suffering because, listen to this, he's been whipped and put in shackles in his lifetime. He's been attacked by mobs of his own people. He's been threatened by the king more than once. And in fact, one of the four kings arrested him, had him beaten, called called him treasonous, (laughs) was charged on treason. How about that? That works. (laughs) He was thrown in a well to rot. He was ridiculed. His family even left him. He had to do things like take his loincloth, soil it, and then bury it underneath a rock. Woo-hoo! Right? Aren't you glad God calls you to share the God? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's known as the weeping prophet. He had to wear yoke bars walked around in shackles to share the message. At the point he writes Lamentations, he was probably carried away to Egypt by some of his people before he ended up being potentially carried back to Babylon. Even though he was God's mouthpiece, 
Even though he was the one who God said, trust me as you go give this message. Nonetheless, he has to deal with the repercussions of other sins in his life. Others' brokenness, others' decisions, other things that have happened that are now happening to him. I wonder if that's you or me this morning. Think about some news that Kendra gave me this morning. Not this morning, last night. Maplewood spent 10 years there as pastor, and you don't spend 10 years with a community without developing relationships. I didn't know this, um, but last weekend, um, one of my friends, Gary Dirksy, just a sweet, sweet guy, dealt with throughout most of his adult life a closed head injury. But uh, we would, I, I love kids, um, we would do voices together. He did a great Daffy Duck or Donald Duck, sorry, uh, and then I'd do Mickey, and then kids would run away from us. So, <laughs> but Gary always had joy, and yesterday, didn't find out he had passed in his 50s. It sucks. Way too early for him, for Alice's wife, to not be able to, and just to wonder over the last years, what, what, what has he gone through? It's hard. We suffer. And yet God says, scriptures give us an entire book where we lament. We cry out. Cry out because of our mistakes, but also cry out because of the things that have happened to us. Just as we started, where do we go with our suffering? Jeremiah, while it feels like he's at the worst of worst, right? He, he says, and my soul is downcast with me. He's going to make a shift. He's going to basically say that we lament. Yes, we cry out in our suffering. But we lament in hope. While the letter, this poem, starts and ends in suffering, comes to this climax of suffering, in the midst we hear a message of hope. Hear these words. The very next verse, he said, yet, right, conjunction, junction, what's your function? <laughs> to say, ah, hold on. Yet I am downcast, yet, my, yes, yet I'm a person kicked, whose teeth are kicked in, yet the city is, is bearing the weight of its responsibilities, it's desolate, uh, and the list goes on and on, yet. This is the message for all who are in Jesus Christ, yet. Yet, this I call to mind, and therefore what? I have hope. Where's Jeremiah's hope? in the Lord. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. That word wait is the equivalent of hope. I'm going to hope, I'm going to wait. I, I'm just going to keep looking to him. I'm going to keep trusting in him. I'm going to keep relying on him. It, even though everything else is pointing somewhere else to something else, in my suffering, I'm going to go to him. 
The Lord is good. See, that's what he believes. The Lord is good to those who hope is in him. To the one who seeks him. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's good for a man to bear this yoke while he's young. Why is that? Because waiting in hope takes some energy, doesn't it? To lament in hope. To to go through it to get through it. Right? Takes energy. And where do we get that energy? It's in the hope of the one who holds us. Jeremiah would say these famous verses, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. Anybody kind of know that, right? You may not have ever been to the church this morning, but you may know this verse. It, it, it might be on a plaque somewhere. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Right? Plans to prosper. You give you a hope and a future. When we read the surrounding verses, what we realize is Jeremiah is saying to this, this to the people as they're starting out 70 years of exile. He says, I know, man, this is going to be tough, but I want you to do this. Set up shop, live, go through it to get through it, but do it this way, trusting and relying on me because I've got you. And one day I will lead you out. One day there will be forgiveness for your sins. Right? Part of the Lord's discipline is to right us, to correct us. Why? To beat on us? No. To lift us up and restore us. To bring us to him. Sometimes his discipline is allowing us to endure things that happen to us. Why? So that he can, he's, he's kind of a masochist and just sort of like, hey, that's good. You just suffer. <laughs> no. It's so that he can redeem those things and show his power in you. And that in you there can be more life. So that suffering itself can't even have a hold on you. Last week brought up a pastor who's sitting in prison right now in China, Wang Yi. And I read this quote, and I thought it was fitting to bring it back for us. He says this shortly before he was arrested. Separate me from my wife and children, ruin my reputation, destroy my life and my family. Right, that's what they're trying to do to him right now. The authorities are capable of doing all of these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life, and no one can raise me from the dead. I think this morning, Wang Yi understands the truth of while it may be difficult, he doesn't get to see his wife. Took three years by the time of his arrest to see his wife, to see his son. You gotta believe in something more if you're gonna endure that. Amen? And he does. He believes in a resurrection. Think about this morning as they think about funerals and my life, it's not just thinking about Gary, but I'm thinking about the fact that I don't know about you, but I've seen way too much death in life. Sometimes I've wondered and I've lamented with God, why, why have I had to see so much? But at every funeral, I try to bring this passage back because it grounds me. And as much as I try to be grounded, I hope to ground others. Paul writes this in 
Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4. Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And I don't want you to grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus all who have fallen asleep in him. We lament in hope. We don't go around our suffering. We don't get to avoid our suffering. We don't get to put it in pretty little boxes to be forgotten. And we also don't get to just go, it doesn't exist. We don't actually need to be overcome by it. By God's grace. By the reminder of what you and I have been baptized into. We are not people who have no hope. We are people who have died and rose again in Christ already. And that gives us confidence about what to believe and become. Folks, that's part of why we worship together. So that we can be grounded and reminded. Because suffering, sorry, I think I've said sucks a couple times. Go say it again. It sucks. None of us want to go through it. None of us are asking for it. Paul didn't ask for it so he could create some Christian cliche for us. I am pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, not destroyed. Right? That, that. Listen, he didn't go, yay, I'm going to go suffer so that can be true. No, he actually, in suffering, said what was true. So you and I could be reminded and grounded. But when we worship together, uh, I'm going to end with this. Uh, Tish Harrison Warren, she wrote a book, Prayer in the Night. And she said that, this. She says, the scriptures, right? That's what we do in worship. We hear the scriptures. The songs, you may not like to sing. It may not be your thing. But listening in, but leaning in as you're snowboarding things, Drew, I'm going to remember that one. It's kind of like skiing. I mean, I've got to lean into those boots. Uh, Steph, yeah, you're... (laughs) But as we lean in the scriptures, the songs, the sacraments, the prayers of the church, they give us a lifeline in pain. When we want to know God, but are too weak to walk, these practices carry us. And we don't worship just because we feel like it. Sometimes we worship so that we can believe something more is out there. Sometimes you singing lifts me. Sometimes to deal with the grief of the loss of a friend needs people. People I've known for a long time, people I've just met this morning, people of faith. You show me I'm not alone. We show each other that. We say words sometimes that have been said for hundreds of years. Why? Because they've been said for hundreds of years. What we are a part of is thousands of years old. Lamentations, 586 B.C. What was true for Jeremiah is true for us. Hope wasn't gone then, 
and hope isn't gone now. Because Jesus, who came, who died, who gave his life, reigns supreme as king. And he will return and make all things new. That is our living hope. That is what we rely on when we're, we're about ready to sing, asking God, do it again. Might have thought that by now something had changed, but, but man, I'm going to keep pursuing and hope. Because God is a God of hope. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that first of all, Lamentations, as, as well as many of the Psalms, remind us that we can be honest. We can be honest about our suffering. Um, that, let's be honest, some, some of us have brought upon ourselves. Uh, Lord, I know my sin and the responsibility for it is mine to bear. I'm really glad Jesus took it on the cross, but I still have to deal with some of the responsibilities that come with that and what, what happens due to it in my life. We need to, Lord. Thank you that we can be honest with you about it, that we can actually confess it as we even sang earlier today. Lord, I need you. I confess. But Lord, thank you as well. Um, not all the time is it our responsibility. Sometimes it's just the repercussions of, of what's taken place in life, other sin, brokenness in the world that, that bears down on us. God, Lord, I, I want to I thank you that we can be honest about those things as well. All these things, we don't need to be crushed by them, and torn down by them, annihilated by them, and be hopeless. We don't need to hide from them, avoid them, or, or just try to make it look pretty for everyone else, all the while suffering on the inside. Lord, we don't have to succumb, but we can stand in hope. As Jeremiah said, this I call to mind, therefore I will have hope. Because of your compassion, your grace, your love, your forgiveness, we all have hope. And we know, that we saw in the video, Lord, Ezekiel, there, you, you put life back into the dry bones. You will bring life to our dry bones. So Lord, again, breathe your life into us. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we both thank you and pray for that life. Amen. I'm going to invite you all to stand and join us in this last song of reflection. change
He has rescued you, and he has hope for you. Faith is learning to believe that about him. You're still in his hands. Receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said. Amen. Thanks for being with us. Go in peace. If you don't mind stacking a couple chairs, we'd appreciate it.